Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. You are now listening to The Reality Is. The reality is. No, I, I'm glad to. It's for minorities, but white people don't be scared. Asians, Hispanics, you want to come on the show, hit us up. I'll talk to anybody about everything. Just be- like these niggas is out here fucking these girls and putting it on porn up. At 8 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday with a hard on, she gets up and she turns on the church. Turns on the thinking, I'm going to get some head or something start to think. Oh, niggas is straight out here raw dicking and choking on the God has his hand on you. Why you sick, uh, that was pretty good, man. It just kind of came out. You gotta right. be squeamish when giving head. I mean, you got a dick in your mouth. Like, how much more gutter can you be? Big niggas, right? Like, like, pussy's a big deal, niggas. Just yeah. period, point blank, just what it is. The reality is. Have you ever cheated on somebody? No. I have. We know. Oh, I never wanted to cheat on anybody. Shit happened, right? I never did. <laughs> so, if we have a little bit more. You know, the people who have a little bit more can give a little bit of time to the people who have a little bit less. Yeah. We get equalized the situation, and one day, you know, regardless of what the government does, we will have systems in place to take care of ourselves. You are now listening to The Reality Is. The Reality Is. What up, world? This is Anthony Roberts, host of The Reality Is Where Filter Becomes Extinct. Today's show is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, your voice, your independence, your platform. So join us as we work to build a listener and podcaster-centric podcast ecosystem by going to www.blogtalkradio.com. This episode is also brought to you by Take Action Apparel and Gear, the brainchild of actor Gabriel Silva, to stand up against bullying through fashion and accessories that let you be you. You can be a patron and support this cause by going to www.takeactiongear.com and purchase something to support the cause. Now, today we've been off the we've been off the air for what about two weeks, Artesia? You got you got to bring yeah. that mic up. Come on, we quit playing like you've never been in here. Don't before. get scared. I, no, yeah, no, don't no, get no. scared. We got confidence, but don't start acting like that today. <laughs> no, I wasn't planning on being on this episode no you weren't okay but we haven't been in the studio for two weeks we've done an episode in between we did a real spill we'll be doing um another one today i sound like i'm uh what's my levels are high am i too high okay maybe it's just in my head yeah okay so we got a guest in the house today man from detox which is dad talk about life kids and stuff we have one of the co-hosts on there are you the Main host or co-host? We are, uh, we're all equal. Okay. We're all equal hey, co-hosts. That's a good thing. Like so this is Joe Shaw. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the podcast. Thank Welcome you. to the reality is. What I love about Joe is, how many episodes <laughs> have you listened to already? All Five. of them. I had my phone up <laughs> to show you the list. I, mean, I closed it. But Joe it was, I went back. I mean, well, I'll tell you what. What I do at work is I sit at a computer and I do a lot of processing, okay. right? And so I always look for podcasts that I can kind of have on in the background mm-hmm. and gives me a good pace. Mm-hmm. And some people it has good content, but it's up and down. It's all over and I True. can't listen to it. But y'all's podcast is a good base level okay. that it just like, it, and it's engaging conversation. So yeah. even when I'm like 
focus on something else, it's filtering into my subconsciousness, and yeah. I, it leaves me marinating on different ideas and marinating. topics. I like that. Yeah. And yeah. for those who don't know, Joe is but white, and we're okay with that. This, you know what? Is Joe the first white person that's been on this show? I think so. And the reason I say that is because I always hear people say, <laughs> why don't you have more Hispanics? Why don't you have more whites? And Or I'll get asked, is this a black-only show? And I'm like, this ain't BET. Right. <laughs> like, I don't care who comes on my BET. show. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't care who comes on my show. It's all about if you come on, can you be transparent? Yep. What are you bringing to the table? And then how are you going to perform when you're behind the mic? I can already, Joe reminds me of NPR just by his voice. <laughs> it sounds very professional. And he, and you know, he doesn't use the uhs and the ums. And I'm glad to have you here. Man. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited. I, I met you through Frank. Yes. And everybody knows Frank. You know, I crack jokes all the time on, <laughs> on the podcast about Frank. Frank man, my kind of melanin origin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how, I, um, that's how I met Joe, man. But I wanted to talk about, like, what made you want to get into podcasting? Because when I was researching and I looked at your LinkedIn page, I was like, okay, like, your job that you're showing now is, like, you doing podcasting. Right. So what made you really want to get into it and how did Detox Podcast come about? So that's a good question. So when... I first became a new dad. All I did was I went, I'm going to be a very involved father and I want to know what resources are out there for me when I have questions, when I have concerns, just kind of prepping, understanding what's coming up. Mm -hmm. And there's not, there's very few dad only resources. There's a lot for moms and there's a lot for parents in general. But what I found in my personal experience is dads that I know, including myself that want to be involved when they can't find the resources, they either push through it and just say, whatever, I'll just take what I can get. And then there are others that will fade into the background and say, I'm going to defer to the mom and let her dictate how parenting should go because I don't feel confident in my abilities. And so I said, this isn't right. So when I became a new dad, I reached out to my buddy Galan, who's another co-host, and he has a daughter that's two and a half years older than my oldest child. And I said, hey, what do I expect? What's the birth going to look like? What are some things? And he's like, well, the best thing I can tell you is that this is my experience and it could be totally different, but here's something for you to at least take with you when you prep. And that was helpful. And so I found myself going back to him more and more. And then when my daughter was one and a half, I had other new dads that were reaching out to me as well on similar stuff. And I went, you know, there should be, there should be a way for us to consolidate our knowledge and put it out there for people to be able to grab and use whenever. Yeah. And I knew Galan had done a podcast previously and he'd had experience. And I said, Hey, what if we just do a podcast? Let's just talk. Let's just put our stories out there and advice. And then People can take from that what they want. What the, yeah. And he said, that's a great idea. And let me pull in my buddy, John, who has no kids. And I said, wait a minute, what? This is a dad podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no, John, who is his best friend, did the podcast with him before, his old podcast. And he said, John has no kids, is single, has no desire to have kids, but he can comment on the choices we make yeah. with our kids. And it provides a good engaging dialogue. Right. So I need you. To, so and, and I know we talked about it before about bringing them all in. The studio wasn't big enough. So I was like, we're going to get you to filter yeah, yeah, them yeah. in. Sure. I want to definitely work on doing that soon. And I think I think his podcast is a great idea because, like you said, everything is servicing women mm-hmm. and it's nothing against that. Right. You know, girl right. power, whatever yeah. the case yes. may be. Girl but power. I talk to her all the time about how I feel like men are left out. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. in this movement of feminism where women are picking up steam and I think they should be paid the same if they're doing the same job, so on and so forth. I do agree with those mm-hmm. things. But I think with the Me Too movements and everything else going on, it's like, but what about the good dudes out there? Mm-hmm. Right. Because y'all like we get clumped into a pile of 
ain't shit mm-hmm. and we can't do nothing and we ain't good for nothing besides having sex and giving money <laughs> and it's like but it, it it is good brothers out there and that's what yeah. i was going to say even for me as a reminder when i had my kids dealing with their father my ex-husband he started to get a lot a lot a lot of shine by him just simply being involved and i was yeah, like right. He's not doing anything but what he's supposed to be right, doing. Right, but right. it's so many guys that don't, don't even do, yeah, do so that. Especially so in the black why. demographic. Yeah. In the black demographic, we talk about it all the time, how we feel like we, okay, this is weird. Because normally when we talk about race, we never have a white person in the room <laughs> to actually address it. Right. And that's what I like about Joe because, like I said, as he went through back through podcasts, <laughs> he would check back with me and be like, hey, I didn't even know this. Or this is great, so yep. on and so forth. Yep. But in the black community, like, what, what was my thought? I know you sipping. Are you drunk yet? I'm not drunk. I am inebriated. So what was I saying? Because I went off point. You were about to make some comparison make between black huh. and white. And but that's black, a real habit. Yeah. Okay, so it, it does happen guess, because black fathers, you know, a lot of times yeah. they leave the household and a lot, a lot of the state of black American things that are going on is because of black men. Mm-hmm. But it's sometime and this is not an excuse cuz sometimes it is because of the circumstances that the white forefathers placed on them systemically mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then some right. of it is you become aware of it and some of them are just still doing the shit exactly. you're still leaving your kids high and dry you know we'll get to that on the next episode about yeah. my father yeah. you know but it's like we got to do better right but men don't get enough and it was one thing when i first started dating you mm-hmm. i remember seeing how engaged her ex-husband was with the kids and i was like He's a good guy. Right. Yeah. Like, but not just you. because he's black. I was like, he's a good guy. He's a good yeah. guy. Even overall. you in the beginning, though, you were like, he's just doing what he's supposed to do. And I that's something that. that I had to get past, too. I because... feel like he was trying to get back to the box. I'm nah. just, I mean, he probably was. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, and he was. I feel like he was. I mean, that's so okay. I'm like, you know, <laughs> nigga, just take care of your kids. <laughs> no. You know? no like, leave that to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, that's something that I had to remind myself of, too, because as a yeah. mom, it's like you automatically expect things to be a certain way yeah and so when you feel left out of certain situations where people are on social media like oh you're such a great dad mm-hmm. and oh this and oh that it's like you know what let him have his shine because he is a good guy yeah and you know i think that also i talked to my wife about this and i think i'm pretty sure i put it out on the on the pod i mean on the group me one time i asked a question like should people get recognized for doing the things that they're supposed to do, you know, because it was a conversation between me and my wife where like, I'll do something or something to be done. And then she'll say, or she she might be commenting on somebody else. She might say, well, that's what they're supposed to be doing. Oh, that's the dad. He's picking them up. Like she goes out of town. Like my my wife be traveling. And so the, her friends are always asking her, Hey, where the kids at? They're with their father. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? (laughs) You know, are they okay with the dad? What do you mean? Are they okay? If they weren't okay, I wouldn't have married them. Right. But it's, it's like people, People have a, an issue with giving people credit for the things that they feel like they're supposed to be doing. And I think yeah. we have to be a little bit more careful. about. But that. we're all supposed to be doing something. So it's yeah. like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> when you go to work, you're supposed to do your job. Mm-hmm. Right. But we all know the only thing that makes people happier than higher pay is being appreciated. Right. So it's simply about a pre, key. even though you're doing that's your key. job, it's hard work to be a father. It's hard yep. work to be a mother. Mm-hmm. I'm neither one of them, but I see it and right. it's hard work. So. Yeah. You talked about modern uh, parenting styles. Yep. And I had a couple of questions because I'm not a parent. Sure. You know, but I do a lot of times when we're watching TV, you know, and, and the black people in the room will get it and maybe the Hispanic. And, oh, no, the Mexican in the other room. We will not say Hispanic. Right? <laughs> no, we won't. Yeah, but the Mexican in the other room, maybe the parenting styles are different to where sometimes I know when I'm watching a TV show, like maybe, I don't know, like something like a white show. Mm-hmm. And it's white kids and it's white families. Right. And it's like 
a white kid will say something to their parent, and I'm like, fuck, not in a black yeah. house. Yeah. <laughs> that shit is not happening. But as I've gotten older, because, you know, I was raised where, you know, what is it, spare the ride? Spoil the child. Spoil the child. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you you know, you got your ass whooped if you did something wrong. You go right. pick out your own switch. And as I got older, I was like, the way white people parent their kids is not bad. It's just about how much hand-holding are you doing. Mm-hmm. But the way sometimes some parents, I've white parents I've seen, uh, discipline their children like talking to them right. and just letting them know what they did wrong instead of whooping their ass like they're a dog right. after yeah. they piss within a certain time frame to say right. well, I'm whooping you because you pissed on the floor right. mm-hmm. how do you parent your child as far or discipline your children yeah. as far as like you know if they do something wrong is it you know old school get your own switch or is it more let me let you know why I'm mad at you and you know go from there no that's a really good question that was something that I know we struggled about when we were first coming into kind of the conflict situation and what we kept coming back to and what we've seen works for our kids. And I always like to preface this on my podcast, what I do can change, you know, and also what I do does not work for everybody else. Yeah. But what I do is I will sit down and I'll talk to not always sit down and have a full conversation, but I'll explain, I'll say, look, we're upset with you because you didn't follow instructions. Like that's what we're always like. You didn't follow instructions. We set out the plan. We kind of treat them as like, we're managers in a company and they're the employees. And yeah. we're like, look, these were the guidelines. We told you about this. We gave you a warning. And now these are the consequences. You lose a privilege. Yeah. So we always, we take away privileges. Yeah. And then that holds more weight from what we've seen. Yeah. Um, there's been a couple times where it's like, you know, tempers get bad. She's not listening. And you do like a little pop. Yeah. And then the times that I've done that versus the times that I've just sat down and talked with her and taken away a privilege. Like she reads two books before bed and I'll be like, all right, I'm gonna take away one book. Yeah. Then the results are more, she's more likely to not do it the next time. See, that threw me off. Like, uh, it's because kid, it's a cause and effect. Like, we were teaching the <laughs> black kid, be like, you want to take a book? Cool. Ain't worry about it. As long as you ain't taking a video game. Right, yeah, yeah. Lead a video game. I know. I know. I know. Because she raised, that's how she raises yeah. her kids I'm the same way. I'm a talker. Way. Right. My kids know if they get a whooping from me, and I can, I don't even remember when I whooped my kids. You whooped whoop Tania a couple yeah. of months back, and you caught me crying. Yeah, I did. And I was like, if what they the get fuck one is from, going on around here? <laughs> if they get one from me, they know that they have, they've done the worst right, thing exactly. possible. Yeah. But I'm a talker. I like to explain what they did wrong and talk about why they did it yeah. and tell them why they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm the same way, too. And I, I think that... Uh, you whoop I'm, your kids? No, no. I, <laughs> your kids I, I are too beautiful, them. man. No, I will whoop I, I just, them. Man. I will whoop them. See, that's the thing. You can't let the beauty fool you. His little girl, though, his little girl would have me, man. Yeah, you'll never you'll never touch them if it goes like that. But I was telling somebody the other day I was talking to another parent and, and they sounded real frustrated about the things that were going on with the children and I told them just to when it comes to the subject of disciplining like whooping mm-hmm. I told them just to make sure they have the distinction make sure that if you are going to whoop them you're whooping them for something they did you're not whooping them because of the level of your frustration that, about right, what they did right. you know what I'm saying That's absolutely I, th- I think a lot of parents especially in a black community will whip them out of frustration of how we're feeling Yeah, yeah. And, I'll, and I'll tell you a lot of times that I've seen in other parents um, is the fact that when you get to that point, a lot of parents start feeling embarrassed or like, or if they're, they're being called into question and the oh, worst physically. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the worst thing you can do is give into those feelings and emotions and take it out on the child. The yeah. best thing you can do is say, we're going to discuss this at home, haul them out of wherever they are. Yeah. You know, uh, perfect example, my kid threw a fit in the middle of a store once <laughs> and I was in the checkout line. I couldn't do anything. Yeah. And I said, you know, you're, you're not supposed to throw a fit. We're in public. This is not what we do. And see, those are the prime times where black people will see y'all and be like, 
This nigga talking right. to her? No, I did the same thing because my son did it. Grab that like, collar. Yeah, but I just gave him a look. But you know, we've had instantly... those times. But you know, we've had times where we, you know, like, or it's even been videos, mm-hmm. you know, where right. black people are in stores and it's like they're videoing white people talking to their kids and it's like, you talking to this little motherfucker like he's an adult. <laughs> but, I, but I tell you what, my child, like, I talk, I talk to her like she's an adult and I've done that since she's barely been able to talk yeah. mm-hmm. and she we were at a party the other day and she was speaking in full fluid sentences mm-hmm. having a full conversation with everybody oh, yeah. all the adults yeah. and people were like is she five and I'm like she's two she's yeah. two it, it helps she's two. and it I, know, I know it does because I've had conversations like when I was doing um, when I was going to school for teaching at first and mm-hmm. I was doing my internship and I remember going to schools like talking to the black kids and there's nothing uh, it, and this is not me talking about black people it's just talking to them like it's a lot of um, it's a lot of us, mm-hmm. it's a lot of not sure what they're thinking. Well, they don't know how to express themselves. A lot of times and they're afraid like, to. I know, but mm-hmm. and it's like with you talking to a white kid, you I literally have had several full fledged conversations with little five and six year old white boys <laughs> yeah. and girls, and I'm like, this little motherfucker's intelligent. Exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> they know what they together. want. They mm-hmm. know what and I've always said that about white people a lot of times, even if you get out of your mindset and get out of your head as black people, you gotta give your kids exposure. Mm-hmm. Like white people will let their kids go on trips to Europe for two weeks at 16 mm-hmm. we like you going to college at 18 and you talking about going out of state you got mothers who are hold and cling mm-hmm. right. onto these sons and they making them bitch made men yeah <laughs> because they're not you know they're not taking knowing mm-hmm. how to take care of anything because somebody's still pampering them so i've always applauded to an extent how white people raise their kids mm-hmm. because it's advanced right. it's progressive one of the, one of the criticisms i will give to other white parents that i see and hang out with on a daily yeah. basis and don't call them out to their face but i'll do it here is the fact Thank that you, Joe. yeah you're in no problem <laughs> is the fact that a lot of parents will talk not talk down to their children mm-hmm. but they will act as if their opinion is not at the level of everybody else's mm-hmm. and so they will talk and they'll you see this earnestness and frustration in the kid and they're trying to tell a story or get a point across and the parent will say that's nice i'm go over here go yeah. go do this very dismissive mm-hmm. and i've seen in as the kids grow older they start becoming a lot more insecure but introverted Mm -hmm. a lot more introverted and afraid to express their opinions and then you know other white people it's oh let's just cover it up and move on right just cover it up and move on yeah and and not address it i think one of the problems too uh, because i deal with juveniles and a lot of times i try to i try to talk to them and just have a conversation with them that i would have with my kids because my kids have full-blown conversations too but uh, one of the things that are glaring to me is even 15 and 16 year olds just having a simple conversation about you know what it is that you want to do with yourself in life and your future um, you know, just articulate it for me. Just have a conversation. Right. And they literally will say, you know, I, I know what is in my mind, but I can't, I don't know how to say it, you know? And I said, well, okay, let's work on that because you have to be able to communicate with people, period. Right. You know what I mean? You have exactly. to be able to get your point across. You have to be able to express yourself. And there's <laughs> just lessons that they just haven't learned. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know what though, what, what scares me about kids and, and I'm sure or having kids and you'll know what I'm talking about once I say it. I always think about when I see like the racism in this world uh-huh. and how it's, continuously seemingly getting worse yeah i'm like I, I i can't i can't bring a kid into this world because i'm so i'm a, i'm such a protector and you see me go to bat for her a lot of times mm-hmm. and it's like we're not even together now but it's like i still protect her because it's like that's how strong i feel about the people who are in my circle so it's like to have a kid i i just be like and she said it before too when it's at the height like ferguson mm-hmm. she was like oh my god i'm going to jail or i'm dead mm-hmm. if somebody hurts or kills my kid mm-hmm. and, right. and it's like how can you not feel that like to feel that kind of bro i don't want that and it's <laughs> yeah. difficult but like, it's a it's beautiful hard. feeling to have kids yeah i know it's, yeah. it's just because i know you know when we went home this weekend for the funeral i saw my nieces and nephews 
and I went down there with things, and I came back with none of those things. Like, if my niece wore my jacket and I tried to get it back, she was like, I want to keep this. You can get it next time. <laughs> right. Then what else so was I gave away? You gave your handkerchief away. My handkerchief. Somebody was crying. Yeah, and I was just like, I'm coming down. And, and it's then like, you took a picture after the fact, and you were like, damn, I needed my handkerchief to make the outfit yeah, to make pop. Right. pop. Yeah. But it's like those, yeah, but it was like those little things to where it's like, yeah. I'm, and like my mom always says, you need a, you need to have a girl. So yeah, you you're going to have to. Because it's like, I am, you know, rough around the edges. You know, I am very harsh. I'm brute. You know, my niece was telling me the other day, she's, uh, how old is it now? 14? No, 15? 16? Oh, she's 16 yeah. now. She was telling me that she listens to the podcast. And I was like, what? I don't know if you should be, I don't know if you need to know me this way. Yeah. That, that part right. of it. And she, yeah. was like, right. she was like, uncle, you crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? The way I would parent my kids, and I've always said this, I would be like you. Like, not to be funny, if I curse, like when we would be in the car and her kids would listen to the music I'm, I was playing and they, it would be curse words. And she was like, turn it off. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Tony's letting them but listen no, to it. But no, that's the mm-hmm. thing, because I was riding in the car one day and a song came on and my kids were in the back seat and they were singing it. And I was like, <laughs> where you this from? And my son, he was like, oh, dad lets us listen to it. And I was like, you're not supposed to. He was like, ma, dad already told us it's entertainment only. We know the difference. We're right. good. So now I'm a little bit more lean about the music that I let them listen to. Right. And the thing is that, you know, my kids are the same way. I do pay attention to the type of music I listen to, or mm-hmm. you know, because most of the time it's just, um, and, and I can admit this, more so with my girl than my boy. <laughs> but yeah. uh, when, I'm, when I'm with them, I just a straight instrumental classical mm-hmm. music. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I know that they know what cuss words are mm-hmm. because I've heard them say them by accident a couple yeah. of times. <laughs> uh, but we've had the conversation. Oh, by about, accident. Huh? Yeah, I'm like, you said what? <laughs> what time, hold on, I got to tell you the I'm story. Not gonna, I'm not going to clean <laughs> accident on my part. One, yeah, time, no. one time my little boy got in trouble because uh, he was at school and he called his little girl a bitch. I was like, oh, oh bitch. Whoa. Yeah, my little boy But hold up, listen. But you know, you know, I was worried because I was I was about Jesus. to ask him, where did you hear that from? <laughs> In front of the principal, be like, don't answer. I, yeah, I didn't want him don't to say, Daddy, I heard you say it, or I heard it in one of the songs you yeah. listened to. He said, one of my friends said, I was like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk when we get home. But but we had the conversation about, you know, certain words that, yeah. are, that are used by adults that are not appropriate for children and things like that. So if we watch a movie, he has a, he, they hear a song with some cuss words, they know to the level of, mm-hmm. okay, those are not the words that yeah. I'm supposed to use in regular conversation. Yeah. Right. And that's going to yeah. get me in trouble. <laughs> so, so Joe, how do you, how do you teach your kids to be diverse? I know that's one of the topics we, you know, discuss right. because I know, I think it was my sophomore year in college. I wrote a paper about racism and interracial dating. Mm-hmm. And I think I've talked about it on the podcast where all that semester, I, I think I had like a 3.9 GPA at that point. I had made A's and B's in this class. But the first time I wrote about that paper, in that topic, I got a D. And then she was like, I'll let you rewrite it. Then I rewrote it. Didn't change the content, really just kind of fancied up the words. She gave me a C. And I was like, why is it so hard? She let me rewrite it again. She let me rewrite that paper three times. I never got higher than a C plus, man. And it was because of I felt like the content in which I was talking about. And the way I started my paper off about racism was like, how can we explain racism or say that it should be here when you could put a two-year-old black kid, white kid, Asian kid, Hispanic kid, or a Mexican kid in a sandbox. They're going to play. If one of them falls and starts crying, the other one's going to pick them up. Like, it's the parents that starts to say, don't hang around Julio. Don't hang around, you know, Jeff. Don't hang around Brian, whoever, so on. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you teach your kids or how are you trying to raise your kids to know truly what diversity is and not just be using it like these companies are throwing it around? Right. The biggest thing for us has been – We have a very diverse stable of friends that they're around all the time. 
whether it's gay, straight, black, white, Hispanic, uh, Latino. Sorry, I remember. <laughs> oh that. yeah, remember yeah, that. yeah. Remember good that. save, good <laughs> save. But uh, but uh, we make the point to we all we already had a diverse table of friends, and so we thought the easiest way to teach diversity is we normalize. It doesn't matter who you hang out with. You hang yeah. out with good people regardless yeah. of skin color or sexual orientation. Yeah. And that has started to take root in the fact that she doesn't, she's three, she just turned three, but we're starting to see that she's not showing a preference one way or the other. She's yeah. just hanging out. And the daycare that she goes to is, she. it's a very diverse group of kids. And so we like the fact that she's around a lot of different people, a lot of different incomes, I guess you would say, and yeah. a lot of different just life experiences. Yeah. And the biggest thing additionally is to, this is the part that I struggle with, right? Is she's good and I know my son will be good and my wife and I are great, but we have family that are racist and they choose not to believe that they're racist. Yeah. And you can't. Boy, I'm glad you said that because that's no, the thing. No, it's, they be yeah. knowing they yeah. are mm-hmm. right. and they'll be like, no, I'm not. Don't. It's How like so offensive call to call a white racist. person racist, right. because, but it's like, yeah, go because ahead. They're, no, they're thinking like racism is on all up, like everything is on a spectrum, yeah. right? And so a lot of people, especially relatives that we have, are on the spectrum and we they lean more towards racism, but they think if they're not putting on the hoods and lighting people on fire, they're right. not racist. They're not it's racist. like that's not, that is the furthest extreme right. of the spectrum. Yeah. And it goes all the way back in little comments you make about President Obama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little comments you're making about the guy down the street. Yeah. Uh, my grandma used to say, her nurse that she had for years, she said, Lisa's so great for a black woman. Yeah. I went, hold up, pump the brakes. Yeah, what, right. what did you just what say? What does that mean? And yeah. she didn't consider herself racist. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so what I have to realize is that every generation is trying to be less racist than the one before them, yeah. but they still need help. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so the way I've chosen, because my wife and I got into this conversation the other day about how do you stop racism in the workplace? Like yeah. Those microaggressions that uh, happen yes. in day-to-day conversation. <laughs> and I said, what I do because of my privilege as a white straight male is when I'm around a group of white males and they say something about Usain Bolt when it was the Olympics or yeah. they say something about President Obama, I go, bro, are you really going to be like that right now? Yeah. Are you really going to be racist? And they're like, I'm not racist. And I went, that comment was racist. Yeah. You might want to you might want to rethink that. And I do it kind of offhandedly, yeah. but I just lay it out there. Then they internalize it. And then I don't hear those comments before. And my wife said, well, they would just not say it around you. And I went, Maybe so, but they're thinking about it. If yeah. they're not saying around me, then they're thinking about it. And yeah. that's what I want. That's how you can affect change with these people who are yep. holding racist. them accountable. Right. Yeah. Holding people accountable is the mm-hmm. biggest thing. Because it's thing. like, I, I know I have a couple of friends that are white, and I'm like, I would love to be in a room like a white dude and hear how they talk about certain things. And like you said, it's not always like, I'm going to use this. It's an explicit podcast, but you ain't got to say, like, I hate niggers or fuck niggers. You ain't got to say that, like you no. said, to be racist. That's extreme. You the, can be, you yeah. can, excuse me, you can be the type just like, I have a white daughter. I don't want her dating a black man because if it ain't because he's a bad dude, he's a shitty person or whatever, then I don't fucking want to hear it because that's a prejudice that you're about to display. Right. The biggest thing that we heard a couple years ago, every setting was, hey, all lives matter. And my rebuttal every single time was, we don't act like they do. Yeah. Right. When we act like they do, then they will. Then they will. Yeah. And, and then, then they would pause, have. and then they would move on. And I wouldn't hear that around the same person twice. Yeah. And so that's the thing is, yes, we agree. Everybody's life matters. But the fact of the matter is, we're not acting like that. Yeah. And until we do, then we black can't lives, say yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. And it's crazy because the only thing I hate, the one thing I hate, not the only thing, the one thing I hate, though, is when 
when people do talk about Black Lives Matter and stuff, because I don't ever really speak on that stuff, right. you right. know, because I just try to avoid it at all costs. It's not my profession. It's not my field of expertise. I don't really have one. I just I'm just a shit talker. <laughs> You're just out here, yeah. <laughs> but it's like when when it comes to, when I hear people be like, "Oh, Black Lives Matter," like when it's white people that's always like anti anything black empowerment, mm-hmm. or like when you hear some white people be like, "Why do they have to say this or that?" Or like I was watching, it was I was watching what TV show? I was watching a TV show the other day. And basically they had handcuffed this white guy who was a part of like one of those Tiki Torch groups against the Black Lives Matter movement. And they arrested the guy and he was like, um, why when I put white power on my shirt, you know, it's an issue. But they can say black power, black lives matter, Hispanics can wear whatever shirts they want or black uh, Mexicans can wear whatever shirts they want to wear empowering their group. Why is it not seen as racist? And in my mind, I was kind of thinking like it's not seen as racist because we don't look at ourselves as superior to anyone else. We're just saying we want people to acknowledge that we have power. Right. We have purpose. We have a reason to be here. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's an intentional reason and it's not a negative reason. Right. I just don't understand racism, period. Because I'm like, if somebody and I told her this before a couple years ago, I said, if somebody asked me if I could change anything in the world or have anything I want, any amount of money, whatever, what would I want? And I was like, I would just want racism to stop. Because if racism stopped, Everybody be winning. Exactly. Yes. The money exactly. that they we watched Den of Thieves the other day, and it's like a part where they getting rid of money. Like we already know the government gets rid of like a certain amount of money. They erase the bills. They you know turn it into dust and make new bills. With thirty million dollars that y'all are throwing away weekly or monthly, how why not put that back into the community? Right. Yep. Why not empower people who are working these hard ass jobs and give them bonuses yearly with stimulus. those old bills? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. With with a yearly stimulus. To people who are truly working, not the motherfuckers living off welfare, not the people that are stealing from the system, but hardworking people like us that make anywhere between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars, but we still get fucked in taxes because right. we trying to do right. We ain't got a shitload of kids, and like I told her, you get income tax back, and I'm like, well, I ain't getting much back. But if I wanted to sit up and get a whole bunch of girls pregnant and then want to be with them and put in it for a check, I could get damn near a pension. Yeah, for real, for real. So I feel like if you change racism which it'll never go away. Sorry, white people. Sorry, black people. Sorry, anybody who thinks that is ever going to, as long as people are teaching these things, you can't stop people from teaching stuff. They got woods way out in Arkansas that you can't get to and stop them from implementing these thoughts in these people's heads. And that goes to show how important it is what you pass down from generation to generation. So important. Like, that's why not to be funny. People be like, it's kind of go back to like Joe and and him, because from what he's saying, he's an ally. Right. So it's like it goes back to people being like, well, he's a white person. He's supposed to do this. Or you'll have that pro-black person to a fault that'll say, <laughs> well, your, your, your oppressor can't be your hero. Mm-hmm. He ain't trying to be nobody's hero. Nah, he's just trying yeah. to help change lives. Yeah. But some people are so far left, even black people, to where it's like you missing the message. The point that you're trying to make and where you're trying to go but equality, you can't get there without white folks. Right? Mm-hmm. I think it was Dave Chappelle said on his latest special talking about apartheid ending and said that should yeah. have been the bloodiest massacre in history. And it wasn't nope. because Desmond Tutu and Nelson Mandela understood that the best way to make reparations is to work together mm-hmm. and bring everybody on the same level and then move forward. And we can't, that's what we as allies, that's what everybody is trying to do to get there. And then. And that that's the conversations when I have very difficult conversations with people who are white. Yeah. And they are. Oh, reason Trump got elected is because of blacklash. Yeah. 
You know, exactly. not backlash, blacklash. That's the name of the podcast, right there. Blacklash. <laughs> Don't forget that shit. <laughs> and I know you listen to the podcast enough now know, to know that sometimes it just blacklash is the name of the podcast. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, I got oh, you, Frank. You good for something? I got you, baby. They say niggas ain't good for shit. <laughs> hey, who you calling a nigga? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I did use nigga. the oh, ER too. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. My no, bad. it's okay. I was just saying that he got elected because people were worried that their status quo was going to be upended. Even if it was living in a trailer park, mm-hmm. barely paying anything, they thought that was going to be upended because of the races, the toxic racism yeah. that is given to them. Oh, yeah, because Dave Chappelle was like, he ain't working for you. Right. He ain't no. working for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's and, true. Yeah. And That's you heavy ha- stuff. Man. And you have to have the conversations with. And so there are some people I know that have come around. And I, I have to have the conversations and say, Trump, as an example, is not someone that's fighting for you. Mm-hmm. We have, we as a white people, have gotten a lot and taken a lot yeah. throughout our history. What we need to do in order to get ahead is to work with people. Work yeah. with people. You can't cut people down to get ahead because that will only take you so far. You've got to work with everybody. And when you have the leader of the free world continually cutting people down in day to day, even people that are his allies on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> then, you know, he's not looking out for anybody. But how ironic is it that Republicans talk? Because I don't want to just say white people because it ain't just white people. Mm-hmm. Republicans want to put they it's like somebody wants to be in power. And, no, and that means to be in power, you have to be unfair at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like when I heard Donald Trump talk about all this shit he talks about to make the country better. Nigga, if you ain't talking about bringing people together and making sure that everybody has something, it doesn't have to be a cap, a socialist society. But it's like if you don't if you're not talking about improving everything for everybody across the spectrum, you ain't making America great. Right. Exactly. America is not when even when I heard America make America great, I didn't even think of Trump as a racist. Until I heard that, because mm-hmm. I was like, "When exactly. has it ever been great? Mm-hmm. Right. When they, when white, when the Europeans came over and stole from the Native Americans, or when they came to Africa and tricked us, or and some of the black folks tricked themselves mm-hmm. and tricked other people and helped them bring us over here? Like America's never been great. Mm-hmm. Is this this is the best time to be as rough as it is right now? Right. This is the best time to be because there was a time where there was no black millionaires." There was no black, no Hispanic or black. Uh, Me- I gotta get this shit. Get together. it right, man. Yes. This it was no Mexican millionaire. This episode to Doctor Hill. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but there was no other race that was really rich like that in America. Like maybe in their own places, their right. own regions, their own demographic, but, but not America, here. Yeah. Right. So for all of these people to be able to be rich to to create something, and mm. the thing I think that really scares the government right now and Trump is they see black people coming together. Yeah, Black Panther. They cause that shit. Yeah. Black Panther, people are seeing it as and a movie, but Black Panther is a fucking movement. Yeah, to have DC Comics, Wolverine, and all of that, and Black Panther, first movie, has sold mm-hmm. out everything by a black producer and a yep. black director. And I'm going to be honest with you. What did I say the first time I saw that trailer? I was like, mm, yeah. the graphics. <laughs> You're Man. such a critic. Because I'm a critic. I went to school for communication and, you know, our movie, TV, all that shit. So when I saw it, I, eh. I was like, I hope it worked. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? But because it's gonna work anyway. I think it's gonna, it is gonna work, and yeah. then as they get more money, the graphics and the stuff will mm-hmm. get better. But because of I, you know, because what I've seen from Spider-Man and people who make those, it's like, ooh, yeah, that's tough. DC. But the, the you can't knock the power that's coming behind mm-hmm. it. There's a lot. Of you power cannot. And, and when people get mad, like they were talking about, um, it was a group of white people. They were saying they were trying to pass something around on social media, saying oh, go yeah. to Rotten Tomatoes 
and rated bad because it was at 99.9% and nobody is nobody's there yeah. besides Black Panther and the shit has not even come out. Wakanda yeah. on the rise. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I will not comment on how many people I know shared that. Really? I have unfriended quite a few people after that. See, yeah. and that's the and that's the thing. The funny thing too with, for black people is like we could go to work with white people mm-hmm. and we and because black people have this we befriend everybody mm-hmm. and it it's almost a fault a detriment to us. But we'll befriend everybody, and it may be a white person that they may they may not think they're racist because mm-hmm. it may be a black person that they actually like. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, yeah. when they as see success of black people, it's like I ain't really feeling that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And this I don't want to participate. Panther, yeah, this shit rubbing me the wrong yeah. way. We don't ever get to see those white people. They do the shit on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how many people mm-hmm. I've had like white dudes listen to my podcast and then they'll say something to me on Twitter. And I don't even get into it. I just be like, when they'll hit me in the inbox, I'll be like, nigga, unless you meet me, <laughs> I'm not even physically responding. Right. Mm-hmm. Nope. Because I address every race on this podcast. I don't hate white yeah. people. Right. I love white women. We know. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I have nothing against any of this shit. But it's like, you white people, what gets me is the ones that talk on social media. Because they're know, not going to say this gangsters. shit in your face. Just like I yeah, told you that time on when I was working at Capital One and this white woman who was married was trying to get at me. Mm-hmm. And then I guess like her husband found like one of her messages to me on Facebook. And then he started saying stuff to me on Facebook, calling me a nigga, saying all this shit. And I, it went on for weeks. And I was just like, I'm going to respond this one time. And I just said, hey, brother, you can meet me at this place, at this parking lot, if you really feel that strongly about this. And I said, bro, I didn't fuck your wife. Your wife was emailing me. Mm-hmm. If you read our emails, you never saw me respond in any derogatory or mannish manner. You need to be checking your wife. This motherfucker said, I, I know I know that you tricked her or manipulated her oh, to say no, these things. No, and I no, said, no, no. nigga, she didn't get the dick because if she did, she wouldn't even be with you. <laughs> so don't try to make, I was like, bro, like you talking sideways. I didn't sleep with your wife, bro. But it was like, and it's like, I've had white girl, white homegirls that, that's married to white men and they're like, one of my when I first moved to Dallas, mm-hmm. we were talking about interracial dating at work, and the white girl was like, "My husband told me he asked me before we got married, have I ever been with any black guys?" And he said, "I told him no." She was like, "But he told me if I had ever been with a white guy, a black guy, and I found and I found out about it, I'm divorcing you." Oh. She was like, "What?" And I was like, "So you ain't never been with a black guy?" She said, "Of course I have. <laughs> I just can't tell him." Mm-hmm. But it's like, why? But why yeah. would you want to be in that that's relationship? Exactly. That does, that's what I'm, exactly. Because for me, it's Security. like if a black woman is a, with a white yeah. man, it ain't going to make me not want to be with a black woman if exactly. I really want right. to be with her. Not at all. That has no bearing on it. I tell the story all the time about seeing this white dude with this black girl in Foot Locker before I moved to Dallas, and it's, it was a white dude. This black girl was so fine. Like, when he looked at me, I said, <laughs> gave him the two thumbs up. I was like, bruh, right. glad you found it before me. <laughs> You're doing a good job. <laughs> Kudos. Yeah, man. Because I was, I, I just, I just, for me personally, I don't understand it. So, Joe, you know, I did, I did want to jump in. Sorry, before we jumped to another thing, I wanted to say one thing as far as mm-hmm. tolerance that I forgot to mention is that, as far as setting an example, my older sister, who's obviously white, she married a black man, and so my daughter's older cousin, we call her Aunt Bree because mm-hmm. there's such an age difference because it was from my dad's first marriage. Yeah, the sister, um, she's biracial. So for us, it's easy to teach intolerance because she sees them all the time. And she, mm-hmm. that's the norm. Yeah. And that's the thing is you got to normalize everything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say this, too. I think we're going to roll it. We're going to do another episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I'm down. 
The reason I say it is because, first of all, the people we were supposed to be meeting are not going to be able to make it. This is an authentic podcast. Oh, okay. So they're not going to be able to make it. We're going to do our real spill and tell because I don't mind talking about Joe to his face. I can take it. <laughs> He's going to hear it anyway. Yes, he listens saying. to every, yes, podcast. every podcast. And then he'll also be able to, you know, chime in on family when we talk about family in different perspectives. Mm-hmm. The thing that you said your your sister is married to a black man. Yes. I always like we always talk about black people mm-hmm. on the podcast. Really, honestly, what would you think? Who was that? Was that Mike? No, that was. Do you some, know? Nope. Okay. Well, at least he was respectful to shut the door. I don't want to lie. I want to push it. Up. I don't want to push it all the way. Well, oh, Mike, Mike, got the, Mike, he got the code yeah, though, so yeah. you can push it all the way up. There we okay. go. So, did, when have you ever felt uncomfortable around white, uh, black people? No. Where, where, where are you originally? Did you from? grow up with Good. around black people? Yeah. Okay, that's why. So, so my dad is my dad's a minister, and we can get into that later if we want. Okay. But um, he is a sports chaplain, so I've been around oh. athletes my whole life. Yeah, he works um, for I'm FC. Trying to say only niggas. Play I know ball. that's no. what I was no. about oh, to oh, say. Oh, oh, I was, was get ready. Come on, Joe. There's three of us <laughs> doing I was good like, too. Man. I was like, he made it sound so good, but is that all we good for? <laughs> no, I'm with <laughs> Let me let me scrape that egg off my yeah. head. Let me take my foot out of my mouth. No, I was just saying, so so we would have, man, now I'm just kind of all over the place. No, good. But, <laughs> no, so I grew up in, in, in Bedford, and I still live there. And okay. so it's, my friend group is very diverse because that is a very diverse area yeah. of Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah. And then going to Trinity High School, and then there's a lot of diversity. Oh, you went to Trinity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trinity. So okay. you was at the football god yeah. school. Yes. I played hockey, so. <laughs> <laughs> Of course you did. Right, right. <laughs> so just just to widen it up a little bit more. <laughs> but uh, no, so I was around that in my day to day life. Around church, it was a little bit more white filtered. And then when my dad would take us to the games, you know, I'm seeing a lot of diversity everywhere, and I'm not seeing. I I feel it is ignorant as a white person to say I don't see color because you have to if you're going to affect. Bro, change. thank you for saying that. Yes, when yes. I hear white folks say that shit, I'm like, yeah, you see shut it. the fuck up, you yeah. stupid. I'm I'm sorry. It's this bullshit. is real conversation. Really bullshit. Yeah, and I'd be like, you stupid mother. I don't yeah. even got to say you white person. You stupid motherfucker. And I will, you stupid. And I'll die, you know, I'll kind of go over here and say that the white people I know that say that are trying to be allies, but they are being racist in the fact that they're holding black people up as a trophy. Yeah. Like I have this many black friends right. or, or this person's so cool. They're my black friend. Like, Okay, people are not trophies. Joe has to get at least a hundred follows from the listeners. It's, no, it's yeah. just because they're gonna be like, "This nigga needs to be the spokesperson for white folks." You know how All everybody trying to, you know how yes. to try to make black people like Charles Barkley and people yes. like that the spokesperson. Yes. They're gonna be like, "Make Joe Shaw the spokesperson Joe for Shaw. all white folks." It just it pisses me off because no, you have if you cannot see color or sexual orientation if that's what you're trying to yeah. affect change. You can't affect change because you are blind to the day-to-day issues that maybe you struggle with yeah. or that people around you struggle with. And so you're not having those critical conversations. And so for me, we grew up and I love my parents and they are less racist than their parents. Yeah. But there are times that I'll catch them and they'll say a comment here and there and I'll, I'll, I'll correct them to their face. I'll say that, hey, you might not have meant that racist, but that was a racist comment. Yeah. I need you to, to rethink that. And yeah. to my parents' credit, they're very receptive and yeah. they work on it and they're constantly working on it. And so for me, that was the normal was seeing people of all different races be my friends and interact and just all hang out, break bread together and, yeah. and learn and grow. And so what, for are your, me, yeah. I'm sorry, what are your biggest fears as a as a white father? Because and when when he finishes, I'll let you talk about yours, because 
I know the fears have to be different yes. because I know for black families. Okay, so what do you fear about your kids are teasing? Just about them not coming home or them because being caught what? up in certain situations because of their skin color. What do you fear about for your kids? Pretty much the same thing. More so for my son, but also mm-hmm. for my daughter. Just but but at the end of the day, the, the concerns and the fears are surrounding their race. Yeah. What do you fear for your kids, Joe? My biggest fear for my kids is that they are going to become much more racist than me. I'm not racist. That was worded incorrectly. What I mean by that is that say, you Joe, body, are you an agent or are you an ally? <laughs> Don't make me get a noose, Joe. <laughs> no. no, but uh, um, no. So I was. So what I mean by that is that I am doing a lot of legwork to help my relatives and my friends to become more allies and, and see that we're all in this struggle together. Yeah. My biggest fear is that my son is going to be on the front page news with a tiki torch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean by that. I got you. Or that my daughter is going to be like that in, in a different way or maybe in the same way. And I, it, it would cause me to go, what have I not taught you anything? Like what, where did I go wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, but that fear, like my fear is not that they're not going to come home because I expect them to all the time. Right. It is a given, and that is my privilege that I I know that they're going to come home and they're going to be safe for the most part. Um, I got to be honest; there was a lot of stuff circulating around about little girls being wooed into child sex slave, and mm-hmm. that that is something that keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. But you know that is on a different level. Sorry, man. No, you. That is on a different level than the other aspect because I know they're going to come home. Yeah. That's just that's what I take for granted. Honestly, but it's I worry that they're going to be recording too. They're going to be different. They're going to be different than um, than who I am. You know, what's interesting, too. I'll be honest with you. Um, When I talk to my when I talk about my kids and I think about my children, I know for me, um, you know, I try to make sure that um, because I mean, okay, I'm pro black. You know what I'm saying? I'm a black man. I'm living in America. My kids, you know, I'm saying we are definitely pro African individuals. But my concern in teaching my children that is that they get too far over to the extreme. You know what I'm saying? Pro-black and or stage three. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Black person. <laughs> You've been listening to that Tinder I have episode. Been. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but just, just to the point where they don't see, they see themselves as superior and then everybody else as inferior. Like that's a concern of mine because that's not, that's not the view that I'm trying to teach. But I think that when you expose them to, you know, the greatness of blackness, I just don't want them to get the wrong message that, okay, so we are great and everybody else is weak. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's probably the issue that um, we have with white people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That white, that white superiority. So how how would you feel if your daughter dated a white man? Well, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Be would, honest, nigga. That's what I'm saying. It, it would be a concern because yeah. only because of the stigma that they say, okay, well, if, you know, it's so general, but they say, oh, if, if a white chick dates a black dude or, or vice versa, I don't know what happens in a white community. Yeah. But when black people date white people, like for me, if I dated a white chick, the first thing black people would say in a general sense is that, oh, well, he has issues with black women because yeah. he doesn't think a black woman is enough. Like, is enough. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, there's and a problem. Like, he got no, issues with his mom White women just nasty. <laughs> I mean, and my mom is not nasty. OK. Hey. Yeah. How but, would you feel if your daughter dated a black man? I wouldn't have any issue with it. You need to be getting this. You see, you done dropped it. I need you on Snapchat where it's going straight on through. 
I'm on Snap. I was just trying to edit Frank's part. Well, just send that nigga shit and through. Then- <laughs> <laughs> and then we visit and cue it up because I want to ask this on Snap. On Snap. Okay. People can see this, man. Joe so real. He like, like I feel I'm like should name that. Yeah. Okay, so, I'm ready. All right, you ready? <laughs> yeah. All right, so Joe, how would you feel if your daughter dated a black guy? I wouldn't have an issue with it at all because to me, if mm-hmm. he's a good dude, I don't have a right. color. I don't have a problem with what color he is at all. But I tell you, a lot of people I know, and this goes to like a stage three white person yeah. who has that white guilt, like too much of it yeah. to where, or or they're like, I don't see color. I knew a, a coworker who was excited when her daughter brought home a black guy. Like she was excited. She was too so excited. Awesome get out shit. Like yeah, it, it is. No, no, <laughs> yeah. But for real, she was, and that was the point where I said, I asked her, I'm like, do you do you view black people as a trophy? And she yeah. got highly offended. But that was the point is I wanted her to think about that. Because and that's true. I said, is he a good dude? She's like, I don't know. He's black. I yeah. went, that, that that's yeah. not, you're losing sight. You're yeah. losing sight of the focus. Because every black dude ain't got a big dick. <laughs> so don't be like, oh, my daughter's going right. to be getting dick now. <laughs> and, dude, and what buddy, man thinks like ask that? Some black, ask some of these black women out here. They're going to be like, oh, these right. niggas dicks is not big. That's a myth. We've been diluted. Now, some of us <laughs> do have big dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to... <laughs> I'll be honest. I was talking to an ex-girlfriend the other day, and she was telling me she was talking about how she was doing a procedure. Mm-hmm. So before the procedure, and my ex is, well, my ex-ex is Hispanic. She's Puerto Rican and black. And she said they wanted her to put a catheter in before surgery. She said she went to pull the sheet back and was like, I'm not going to do a catheter. <laughs> Basically, as I'm going to make a long story short. She made me, I had to sit through it and listen to it over the phone. His dick was bigger than a catheter. So even if they would have stuck the catheter in this motherfucker, it would have just been halfway in. So when she told the doctor, the the surgeon, she was like, I'm not going to be able to do a catheter. He was like, why didn't you do a catheter? Uh, You know, so they started the surgery. The surgery, I forgot what it was on, but it was from like right up under his rib cage to like the navel. But, the doctor did something and like whatever he was cleaning up with, it whipped the, the gown back. I guess the nigga had meat. <laughs> Cause he was like, whoa. She was like, he was like, whoa. Well, I guess the myth is true. And she was like, no, it's true for this guy. Right? Yeah. But the next black guy may not be that. Right. As I'm listening to this story, I'm kind of like, how do you feel? Cause I'm pretty sure a catheter can go in my dick. <laughs> so I was like, this nigga must have had meat <laughs> he couldn't get a catheter in. So it's like certain things. I, and, and it's crazy because working in the medical field, too, is funny because I used to work in the medical field. And I remember them trying to put a catheter in the guy. And I was, just, and it wasn't even, like he was just an average guy, you know, average penis, whatever. But a catheter, do you know what that is? <laughs> I do. Like It's like putting a straw uh, up through the man's pee hole. Yeah. Bruh. Uh-uh. Y'all say you're here as a woman. I'm pretty sure childbirth is painful. You did yours natural, right? Yes, I did. But, whew. yeah, I would like you to change the subject like right now. You <laughs> feel everything shrivel up. Yeah, you really do. <laughs> That's what I, but you, and I try to tell people too, a dick is an amazing thing. It's a lot of things. It really we is. know you do know that, bro. Yes. In the wintertime, if you have hair, it helps in different ways. If you don't have hair in the wintertime, yes. it can be different for it you. Be different. If you get in the shower, I to shower. Like, and I always tell people, you can't judge a motherfucker when he's just flaccid. No, 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 no. You can't. You cannot. I was talking to a homegirl the other day, and she was. No, you really can't. I was you talking can't. to a homegirl. He was adamant about that answer. <laughs> well, you know, because I'll be honest with my, my. I mean, okay, now. Uh, as long as you ain't got butt dick, do rea- not. The reality is. I'm saying if I was one of them dudes, if you judge me based on that, 
then then you would misjudge me. Yeah. And this I'm nigga is man. African. That's I what know. I'm saying. I'm African. You know, from Liberia. Yeah. You know much. You know much. You know. Yeah. And see, yeah, that's the thing too. The dude from the story, he was African. Yeah, you can't believe that. Bro. Yeah, but no. it's like, um, what was I about to say? I was about to. Say, uh, Damn, you had a great point too. I, yeah, I no. did. I really did because I'm losing it. Shit. It's time. <laughs> time to chime in, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. Uh, hold on, we almost done with the first hour. Give me one second. Hold on, let me check this. Black lash. Because I did. I did have a yeah. question for him. Give me one second. Sure. Being a father. So you know what. Can I just say I like how they came prepared? They no, both they have notes. <laughs> Niggas <laughs> of any race. <laughs> Frank came in with his little pad. Yeah, a little pad. And you know what? It reminds me of my mom at church. Yeah. Because my oh mom, my anytime God. when she was at the service, at the, she was writing yes. on the thing. I noticed yeah, yeah. it. She's been doing that since I was a kid. So and what I was Frank like, I and Joe seen nobody do that. Wait, you can tell your story. Hold on. As Frank, what Frank and Joe are doing is they have two. They have a pad a piece, and I guess his <laughs> thoughts come to them, mm-hmm. or they had something they may want to ask. Yeah. Like they, they, they're prepared. Mm-hmm. My mom does that. Like she, if she goes to church, or even if she's watching a television show, and that's where I get it from because you see me do it. Mm-hmm. We'll be watching a TV show, and like I'll have my pad, and it's like I'm like this podcast material. Yeah, but yeah, from my down. perspective. Yeah. Because content is king. Mm-hmm. Yes, and a lot of people don't understand. But see, the thing that I think the the funny thing about the reality is podcast and not even just pumping it up or gassing it up. Literally it up. most it's of the, po- but no, for real though, <laughs> most of the podcast is not scripted. Right. Like you see me open my phone, but I'm really not past this point right. of the podcast. Mm-hmm. What that allows us to do is get people's real intentions mm-hmm. of the podcast. We were watching before our, our came to my house this morning, but we were watching, um, breakfast, breakfast club. And this has got, what's Bobby lights. Yeah. He's Trina's cousin. Um, okay. He's a gay guy, loving hip hop Miami. Miami. Yeah. All right. And one of the things that I loved about watching the interview was like how real he was in that interview. He's in a he's a flamboyant gay guy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ain't nothing wrong with that shit. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about, you know, he talked about how he didn't have his father in his life. And he was like, That's not why I'm gay though. Mm-hmm. He was like, My father could have been in my life and I'd have been gay regardless. Mm-hmm. He was like, This is who I am. I just wish I had my father in my life to where he could have been there. For when I was going through these things, as people talking about me, mm. he would have been out to protect me. Right. Right. I'm come. I'm come from the country. I've said this before. I used to be homophobic as shit. Mm-hmm. Then I got here and realized the gay people are like my best fucking friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gay people are very supportive, loyal. Mm-hmm. They will spread the word. Even from when we was watching, did you have you ever watched the Get Down on uh, Netflix? Yes. Remember when they was talking about uh, that nigga may have black skin yeah. under there. <laughs> you fooling us. Woogie boogie nigga. Like, <laughs> but no, it's like, I mean, just this is the thing. If nobody takes anything from this podcast, men are teasers talk all the time about maybe it'll work. Frank always. No, you like, say maybe. I, nah, say I do say will. maybe. I do. I do. He I do. It's me. Yeah. And Frank and other people, I was like, hey, man, y'all are talking about real shit. These are the type of podcasts, and I told Artis, didn't I say this yesterday? I said, I'm geek for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because to have a white guy who's open and willing to talk, this is how shit changes. Right. How can we change if we don't even know who the fuck we're talking about? Right. If we don't even know how they think, mm-hmm. how can you? Some of the Dalton, my home, but shout out to Dalton. Mm-hmm. He used to be my manager at my job. He was a white guy, a younger kid. And he always used to come to me telling me stories. Cause I worked for a path advantage during the height of all this racism and shit mm-hmm. in America. And he was like, he always used to tell me about things that he went through from his perspective, how black people treated him mm-hmm. just cause he was white. And I think yeah. a lot of times we get so caught up in what black people go through that we do forget that no. it could be tough for white too. people too. Yeah. yeah, It ain't just, I mean, okay. 
you know, we talk about you got white privilege and all of that. Mm-hmm. But how many times have I talked to and tell Ortiz, I'd be like, being a leader is hard. So if you got white privilege, it's kind of like being a leader to where it's like you got a lot on your shoulders to where not to be funny. Yeah. If you Charlemagne the guy says it all the time. If you are a white man and you're not making a certain amount of money or you're not a success, you fucked up your privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't even have that privilege. So it's like, how can you feel as a white man in America where you have these doors automatically open for you right. and you may not be as successful as you want to be? How hard is that for those people? Mm-hmm. But black people don't never think about that shit. We want the crown a lot of times. Heavy is the head that wears that motherfucker. Yeah. We know that. So in your situation... Joe, or, yeah, situation. He's white. Situation. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. In your, in, in being, from your perspective, from your perspective. <laughs> that's why people are on the pot. I literally <laughs> smoked a little bit this morning. <laughs> I don't know. Frank had a heavy hand, heavy hand. and Joe brought Speaking beer, of, and I'm can drinking you beer pour now. Me a drink. I got you. Yeah, get so, one of them Taco Cabana cups, girl. No, yeah. I want you. And see, so we gonna have to, and see the thing about it I is came with my own cup. our producer had to go to a meeting, so we really got to just talk straight through. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You see, I that's why I said there's was... no need for nobody to get. It's actually perfect timing. It's good that everybody else didn't come because we were supposed to meet some other people at two. Mm-hmm. It's good they didn't come because we literally got to roll right through this. He was like, "If you need me, just text me. I'll be right across all." Yeah. I don't even have Mike's number. Mike, if you listen to this podcast, nigga, I don't even have your number. That's How am my, I supposed to my text job. you? Yeah. I don't even know where Mike went. <laughs> that's my job. I had okay. number. Okay. Because I was like, he, he talking about some text me. So we about to roll into the second hour. I was going Because I was literally going to be like, we'll take a break. We can't take a break. Cause I don't <laughs> no, know. No, you I, can take a break. It'll just be silence. And then you know how you, you know edit to cut it. it. Yeah. yeah, he'll edit it. But, yeah. you know. So, well, since we're going to take a break before we get to the next episode, and we're going to do the real yeah. episode next, and we still have a few questions for, for uh, Joe, too. But, Joe, tell them where they can find you at on social media and yep. podcasts. Absolutely. So, if you're looking for Detox Podcast, you can check us out, Detox, D-T-A-L-K-S, podcast.com. And then we're at Detox Podcast on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, for me specifically, I'm on Twitter at Detox, D-T-A-L-K-S, Joe, on Twitter, and then at Joe Shaw 5 on Instagram. Uh, Joe, before we get ready to queue up for the next episode, sure. would you ever date a black woman? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're married now. Well, yeah. My wife's going to be hold yeah. up. Hold up. What the yeah, fuck right. do you mean? I was like, you answered that too fast. <laughs> Real quick. Yeah, yeah. That's what but she's going to say. Yeah, but, if you, <laughs> but if you weren't single or if you weren't married, like, what is it that... Okay, I'll, so, I'll, start, I'll start this off. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll answer my part and then I'll let you... I was going to say, what is it that you like or love about black people? And I'll start by what I like and love about white people. I love the fact that white people do give exposure. They expose themselves. They're very open-minded. Mm-hmm. That's why it takes me back a lot of times when white people are racist. Because I'm like, as a whole, white people are very not, not to be. Let's 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 give a little white props right quick. Even though Columbus came over here and stole that motherfucker, did have the balls to go back when there was no GPS. <laughs> he didn't know how to get anywhere. They took risk to find somewhere. Mm-hmm. They found a new land, even though they came and stole it. They found a new land and took a risk to do that. White people are very explorative. They're very open-minded. I've always respected that. Not to be funny, that's why when we go back to talking about white women and sex and being inter- interracial dating, and I tell people all the time, a lot of black dudes, it's not that they don't like black women. It's just that white people expose themselves to things younger to where early they life, early in life, yeah. to where it's like by the time they're 25, what you're learning as a black person at 45, they've been doing for years. And that's what gets them ahead of the game. So I just respect white people and their ability to expose each other to new things 
being open minded. And the best thing that you can have as a friend is a white person if they're not racist. Right. Because they will and go to bat. They will ally. go to bat for you. They do know a lot of shit. They do have a lot of access. Mm-hmm. And, and the sooner and they, we quit thinking that, of course, let's be honest, we don't need white people to be successful. We don't. Right. But does but it make it that. easier to have the access mm-hmm. to people that can say, this is a good guy, not a good black guy? Right. And that's one thing about white people. If they're real and they're not racist, they don't even mention your race. Exactly. You don't know these motherfuckers are black or, or Mexican until they show up. I dated a white girl. I went to her house. They played a prank on me. Her <laughs> daddy acted like, how dare you date a black dude? He didn't even acknowledge me. Got in the kitchen, <laughs> talked to the mother. He was kind of like cookie cutter, making cookies and shit that night. And then the dad came in, he ignored me again in the kitchen. And then after a while, I, t- I remember my the girl I was dating was Sarah, and I was like, hey, I'm about to get up out of here. I don't think this shit is, I don't it's think it's safe for me to be here. And before I got ready to leave, the dad was like, ah, I got you. He was like, I ain't racist. He said, I just wanted to rough, you know, rough, mess with you a little bit, rough <laughs> your feathers, you know. But the best thing you can have is a white friend if they're open-minded, and they're about change. Mm-hmm. And they're intentional. Not saying that white people are better than black people. No. Not saying that white women are better than black women. But if you could play a video game without the cheat codes and struggle through it, how great would it be to play a video game with the cheat codes? With the, cheat with code. the extra lives <laughs> right. and the guns. <laughs> all the guns. You, all ain't the got, yeah, you ain't got to find all of that shit. You got it already. <laughs> That's what allies, that's how strong that is. Yeah, for real. Where are you at from social media? You already texted Mike? Okay. Where can they find you at on social media? BlackGhost75 on social media, Instagram only. And uh, also Melanin Origins. Facebook ain't letting this nigga live at all. And I've been he, trying. He <laughs> lost his privilege. I've been, I've been, exactly. That black privilege is gone. I've been, I've been trying to. I've been trying to get it. They got some pictures of mine. But uh, check us out at Melanin Origins. And that is on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. Melanin Origins. They're good books. Company. Good yes, yes, my daughter Joe, loves Joe got a couple. Artiza, go. where can they find you on social media? I know you're not taking clients. Yeah, I'm all across. But we still got to give you a <laughs> shout out. All across social media and no Artesia. That's K-N-O-W-A-R-T-E-S-I-A. Well, I don't have my script and I'm not reading the script, but you can find me on Instagram, Sir Robert Poe. That's my personal page. Anthony Roberts on Facebook. The reality is I'm on Facebook. Pretty much any social media website. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep up with the reality is we're about to revamp. Like, Frank, I'm so excited, bro. We about to level up. Can't wait. Artesia working on some shit. Poster boy working on some shit. Poster boy. Poster boy, bro. You just make me feel so special. Oh, he got the high pitch. Poster boy make me feel so special because the shit he does, like the graphics and anything mm-hmm. we put out, is so professional. They're really I good. Need, it, yeah. That's why I told him because yeah. the other day he sent us something so that I had requested, and you were oh, like, yeah. "Oh my god, this looks so professional!" It was so dope. I was like, "You got a motherfucking professional doing it." I know. That's why. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, Artesia cuss, man. She's serious, right? Now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my mama, bro. My mama was talking to me a couple weeks ago. And she was mad about something, and she was like, "I just don't." I don't give a shit no more. I said, <laughs> I said, mom, that's like the fourth curse word I've heard major in 35 for mom, years. Even more so than mine. Yeah, because I was like, my mama don't curse at all, bro. So, again, man, if you want to follow us, um, you can follow us on The Reality Is. That's THA The Reality Is. If you want to be on the podcast, you can email us by going to info at therealityis.com. The funny thing about this is we're about to do another show. It's going to be another episode just right after this one. I just want the listeners to know because sometimes they probably be thinking we're doing shit like a week apart. Uh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no. What's that? Did you ever see? That made me think about, uh, what was that Whitney Houston and um, 
Kevin Costner movie. Bodyguard. Oh, bodyguard. And yeah. remember the guy who had masturbated on the sheets? He was like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it made me think about, but for real. Always remember, man, y'all inhale courage to excel success. We about to roll back into episode 171. But again, it'll be Joe Shaw. It'll be Frank McClendon. It'll be Artesia's one. We're going to be a real spill. Me and Artesia. We'll talk about how we met Joe, how we feel about Joe. We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about relationships. And we're going to get a little bit more personal. We ain't going to do generic shit. We're going to make y'all feel a little bit uncomfortable on this next hour. I'm ready. Mike, where you at? I'm not ready. <laughs> You're going to be ready. If you ain't ready, you better get ready. <laughs> Mike, where you at? Where's Mike? Where's Mike? <laughs> you're into yoga or pilates or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me either way you know being flexible is key to doing what you love that's why smoothie king created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies plus type 2 collagen make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health so try the stretch and flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale order online today for pickup or delivery smoothie king rule the day Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's The Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.